If you've got your Bibles or your phones there, we're reading from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. Mm-hmm. It's actually about the parable about the three servants that Jesus was explaining how the kingdom of heaven worked. So Matthew 25, and I'm actually going to read it from the message translation because it just kicks butt a bit more. But you can still read along. It's actually about the talents and about um, how... So I wanted you to just you to keep in mind that a talent was a monetary unit worth about 20 years' wages for an average labourer. Okay? So it's not just a little bit. It's actually quite a lot. And um, when we think about it in that context, it's not just oh, $1,000 or, you know, because some translations might say that, but it actually a talent was in monetary terms... 20 years wages so when the master gives these servants a talent it's a lot of money so when he gave them two talents talents is even more and when he gave the other one five it's a serious amount of cash he entrusted them with all right so I'm going to read um, from verse 14 it says the kingdom of heaven this is Jesus speaking is like a man going off on an extended trip he called his servants together and delegated responsibilities to one he gave five talents to another two to a third one, depending on their abilities. And then he left, and right off the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same. But the man with the single talent dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given five talents showed him how he had doubled his investment, and his master commended him, "'Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner.'" The servant with the two talents showed him how he had also doubled his master's investment and his master commended him also. Good job. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant given the one talent said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, or at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the one talent and give it to the one who risked the most, and get rid of this play it safe. Get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. So the message actually really pulls out. Um, the importance of actually what God, Jesus was trying to um, teach the disciples. And um, I wanted to read you from a little bit from T.D. Jake's book that um, called Saw because I just wanted to share what he had to say. I'm going to read a little bit. It says, The parable of the talents is to teach us what it means to invest our gifts for a greater purpose. In the parable, a business owner puts three of his servants in charge of his goods, giving each of them responsibilities according to their abilities while he was away on a trip. The focus should be on vesting those talents while he is away. Though the first two servants ended with different levels of accomplishments, both were successful, with a 100% increase from where they'd started. The success for them was not competitive, but was based upon the level of return for the initial amount they were given. And it's really, really important when you look at what you have and what God has given us because that's really what our talent is. It's, it's what God has planted in our life. Success isn't a measurement to be compared to the success of others. And uh, so it's really, really important that we don't compare ourselves and go, well, they've got more than we do and uh, you know, they've started off with more than us 
And so that's why their, their life is so much better than mine. But actually, God has given each of us something. He's given us gifts and abilities. And when we know the Holy Spirit, then we have spiritual gifts and abilities as well. And it's not that God wants us to be comparing one talent to two or five, because yes, there is some people that are born beautiful and talented, you know, like they can sing, they can dance, they can make whatever they put their hand to seems to just go easy for them. They've had a great family background and all those things. And it's like, how am I going to be able to compete with that? No. God has given you what he has given you and he expects you to make an investment with it. Does that make sense? And uh, so in this parable, Jesus reveals exactly what he wants us to do with the gifts and talents we've been given. We're to be responsible with them and invest them for maximum return. So what are you doing with what God has put inside of you, that he's put on your life? Don't compare it to somebody else, but God actually expects that we have maximum return for what he has entrusted us with. Seeds have been planted on the inside of each of us, and though they have been given a different measure from the person sitting next to you, or the person that you work with, or even your family members, all the seeds must be watered. All the seeds must be used, and all have potential to bear fruit in our lives. We cannot be like the third servant just burying our gifts and talents because we're too afraid or too lazy or too uninformed to do with them what God wants us to do. God expects us to be faithful with what he's given us. He wants us to be responsible and to make sure the seeds we sow and the talents we invest yield profitable returns. And if you think about that third servant, how often are we like them? And God actually has been speaking to me the last couple of weeks about how often do we behave like the third servant, that we get afraid and so we bury things. You know, we look at what we have in our hand, our job, our abilities, our bank account even, our talents, what we, you know, I'm a little bit good at that, our gifts, and we've been given them and we get afraid of failing. We're afraid of getting disappointed or disappointing God or others of loss, or we compare ourselves to others and therefore minimise what we've been given. How many times do you minimise the gift that you've been given, that what you can do, the ability that you have, and you go, oh, well, somebody else does it better. I do that all the time. We minimise it. Instead of taking what we have and using it and growing it to the best of our abilities, we get afraid and so we squish it back down again. Oh, no, just squish it down there. No, you know, I don't want to be out there. I might be disappointed. I might lose something. I might lose faith. I might lose something that I've had that I've struggled to have. And so we squish things. I'm a great squisher. I squish things. I'm like, oh. Uh, even my kids say, Mum, <laughs> now, because they can see me doing it. It's like, it's not a great, it's not great for me to do that. And so God is like, he wants to stir up, you know, and Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, he said, therefore I mind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. He's talking about spiritual gifts, but also, you know, his mother and his grandmother put things in his life. And, and, and Paul's saying to Timothy, don't despise your youth. Don't despise what God has put in you. Don't despise what he's put upon your life. Stir it up, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We can so often get afraid and so we bury stuff. God stirs things up and we go, oh, yes. And then we get out there and wake up Monday morning, oh, get it back down there again. We know what God wants us to do, but we are so afraid of disappointment and loss often in our lives or of somebody being better and we compare ourselves to the person next to us and go, well, they're doing it so much better. Why should I even bother? That we bury our talent. We bury our gift. And, you know, 
the word says that's a terrible way to live. It says it's a terrible way to live. Why would you live like that? The master was furious. It's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done is to invest the sum and do something even a little bit with it. We play it safe far too often. Yeah, and we bury what God has given. And I feel like God has, wants to say this morning, stop doing that. Stop it. Stop it right now. I have spoken to you. I've put things in your life. I've anointed you. You have the power of the Most High God on you. You've got DNA of him inside of you. Who are you to play it safe? Who are you to say you're little and insignificant? Who are you to say that you cannot do that? I am. Moses did that and he got his butt kicked for it. He stood in front of the burning bush with the manifest presence of God and a voice speaking out of the bush at him and he said, Moses, go. And Moses said, but I've got all this wrong with me. I've got a speech impediment. I've been in the backside of the desert for 40 years. I don't even know my parents. You know, I've killed a man. And he says, who are you to argue with me? I am. I am is here and I am telling you that this is what I've called you to do. And this morning he says, stop it. Stop saying, who am I to do that? Because who are you not to do that? Who are you not to be brilliant? Who are you not to be go out there and do amazing things? Who are you not to stir up the gift that is with God has put within you and go and make a difference? Who are you not to? Because you have the resurrection power, the most high God within you. You are saved. You are set free. You've been delivered from every, every evil. Who are you not to do that? Yeah? Are you uncomfortable yet? Good. Yeah? Invest your talents wisely for God's kingdom. Do business till I come, the Lord says. Do business till I come. Get doing what you are called to do. Figure it out. Don't just sit back and go, oh, well, I'm not sure. If you're younger... Don't sit there going, well, I'm not sure, so I'll do nothing. Get off your butt and get out and do something. If you're older, then you have years of experience. And if you're going, well, I'm getting to the end of my life, no, you're just in transition. God, if you've got a heartbeat and you're walking around, even if you're in a wheelchair somewhere, you've still got a heartbeat, you've got something to do. Yeah? You've got something to do. The order is clear. We're not to sit around. We're not to wait. He wants us to take action now. We have to occupy the world with what God has given us and release it to the world to do good. It says, do not be, grow weary in doing good for at the appointed time you are a reaper harvest if you do not give up. So even if you've got up and you've been knocked down, get back up again. Who are you not to? You have the most high God within you. You have the whole host to heaven cheering you on. You have the angels to help, to minister to you. We've been knocked down I don't know how many times. You just get back up. Just be like the bouncy ball in the water, get back up again. You know, the inflatable, just get back up. Speak to yourself. Talk to yourself in the mirror and say, I'm going to do this. You know, learn from your mistakes. Learn from those around you, but get back up. Do not wait. The order is pretty clear. What you have, you better use it because if you don't use it, even what you have, will, even the little that you have will be taken and given to somebody else. I don't want to live like that. Do you? He wants us to take action. You know, we are to build things that are answered to somebody's prayer. We're to occupy the world with businesses that are needed. We're to provide for and advance his kingdom. 
It's a way that God wants us to do business, as in get about doing what God has called us to do. How we act, how we talk, what we do. Do we represent God in the way we operate, in the way we treat others? How we interact will be our message. How we communicate will show who we serve. God wants us to use what we've been given in order to give so that he can give us more. If you use a faithful in the small things and remain diligent, then he will give us more and it will generate an opportunity for God to do something. And when we least expect it, that's often when things happen. Are we using what's been put in our hands today to the very, very best of our abilities? Usually the answer is no because we can always do something different. We can always step up. Are we using what's in our hands? Each servant started with a different amount. Not an, it's not an even playing field, even in this room. It's not an even playing field, but that's okay. The master does not expect. God does not expect the same results between me and Shara. He just expects that I will use the gifts and talents that I have had put in me and the experience and the years I have to the very best of my ability to do business because that's his order. Get about doing my business, growing my kingdom, being the best version of you you can be and reaching out and loving him and loving others and do business. What he has given me to do, do it. And he expects Shara with her talent and her ability to go and do business, to go and do what she does. It's not an even playing field and that's where we've got to stop comparing ourselves with others. Just stop that. That's just going to get you giving up, not even trying, not even getting out in the starting gate. Just to make the most of what he has entrusted you. The first two men worked and dealt wisely and doubled their talents, even though they had different amounts to begin with. And the master was pleased with both of them. He doesn't compare us. It's a trap to compare yourself to others. We all start from a different point. As I said, some have been blessed with a stable home, with brawn and beauty. You know, some have have just seemed to be good at everything. Yeah? But then there's others that have had a harder background, maybe fewer opportunities, health issues, setbacks. But we all have something we've been given and God expects us to make the most of it. So don't use, oh, well, they've got a better life than me. That doesn't wash with God. Yeah? You can compare yourself all the time to stop yourself doing things. You can talk yourself out of what God says to you. God could put it in neon lights across the sky and you would talk yourself out of it if you really wanted to. Come on now. Yeah? God says, get about doing my business that I have placed in you gifts and talents. I have spoke, spoken to you. I can almost guarantee that everybody sitting in this room, everybody listening online, God has spoken to you. He's stirred up things with you and we've squished them down again. Stop it. Stop it right now, God is saying, and get about doing my business and use what I have given you. It's too easy to be afraid or allow life to steal our energy and our joy and cause us to be afraid of failing, of loss and disappointment to the point where we bury our gifts and our talents and abilities away, way down deep on the inside of us. But God says it's a terrible way to live. It's actually criminal to live that way, to be given so much and yet do so little, to be blessed and yet do nothing with that blessing. It's time to take a risk and to stir up the gift that is within you. But I want to give you a word of caution. Because we go, yes, 
don't we? We're all going, yes, stir up the gift. Yes, God said these things to me. And some of us are a little uncomfortable and go, oh, yes, I can sense it in the room. Yeah, but I want to give you a word of caution that the enemy knows how to steal this. Where you go, yes, God is speaking to me. Yes, I should run that, that hub at our house. And, you know, yes, I should be reaching out. Yes, I should start that business up. Yes, I should step out and talk to those clients. Or yes, I should try a creative thing. Yes, I should be more creative and stir up those gifts and abilities that are in me. But you know what? The enemy knows how to catch us. And one of the ways he does it is to get our schedule so packed with everything else and everyone else that we will not have a chance to do anything. We'll be held hostage to the tangible things that we can see and touch and smell. Meetings, appointments and projects without giving proper priority to the intangibles, who God is saying we're becoming. Our relationship with God, with our friends and family, our purpose and our God-given assignments. Everybody has a God-given assignment right now. Because God says, I prepare good works for you to do and I prepare in advance good works for you to walk in. You have an assignment right now already. But if you allow your schedule and the pressures and the urgent to overtake the important, then the everyday concerns of life will just crowd out what God has for you to do. The assignments he has for you to, to encourage and stir up the gifting within you, just life will crowd in. I can guarantee it because it happens. You know, I'll get to the end of the week and I go, oh, got me again, yeah? And we've got to stop doing that. So we've got to give space for God to have be in charge of our calendar. So tonight, when you go home, <clears throat> sit down, get your diary out, get your phone out and go, God, yeah, those people don't have diaries, yep. You have to be able to schedule in. Without conscious intervention, we will just overschedule. And it assures that the priorities we care about the most, the talents that we have been called to cultivate, will take a backseat to the urgent priorities of everyday life. If you don't schedule, if you don't plan, if you don't set the vision before you, I can guarantee you'll get to next week and you'll be sitting here next Sunday and I've done absolutely nothing to stir up the gift within you, to actually put in place those things that are really important and to use the talents and gifts. Yes, you'll go about doing your job, but I guarantee that there's more in you than you have seen. There's more in you that the world, has, the world hasn't seen yet. So we've got to watch our schedule and say, all right, God, you take hold of my calendar. You fill it. You be in charge of it. You schedule it. I'm start by plugging in on the time slots of my calendar those things that help me to become who you've called me to be. Clear everything else off and go, God, you're in charge of my day. What do I put on my calendar? Where do you want me to be? Yeah? How would God have you spend your day and your time? Ask yourself that question as you look at your diary this week. As you get out of bed in the morning, how would God have me spend my time? Because he will prompt you. He will lead you. He wants to just be able to lead us with his eye. That he'll just look and you'll go, I'm there. And too often we're like the mule with the bit and bridle. I'm dragging along and God goes, oh my goodness, you're late. And you know what? Some of us are running late. Some of us are running late on the things that God has called and assigned us to do. We are behind time. 
Even this nation is running late on what God wants to release on it. We're dragging our feet and we're sitting there and, we, and you know, we're still engaging on just personal things when he wants us to be engaging over the nation. We're still just picking up little prophetic things or little things that God is releasing when he wants to release what he has for the nation and for the world. And we're in kindergarten stuff when we need to be, you know, graduated from university because we're still getting bogged down with our overscheduled rubbish and the things of the world and sitting down down here when we need to be up here. We're behind time and we're running late. Some of us are there and we need to give ourselves a kick and say, what am I about? What is my life about? Because it goes like that. Goes like that. I'm going to be 50 years old in three years' time. I'm like, what the heck? How did that happen? I'm running behind schedule. There's things that I know that I should have been working on two, three, four years ago and I'm running late. So God's you better do this every day now then. You have to do that every day because you're behind. How many are behind? Well, you know that you're behind schedule and you better give yourself a kick up the butt because you're running late and there's people that you need to see. There's people you need to speak to. There's things that you need to have released in your life. There's there's works of art that haven't been painted. There's books that haven't been written. Come on now. There's books that haven't been released. There's words that God has spoken to you. There's hubs that have not been started. You know, God has been speaking and speaking and speaking and we have been going, oh, well, yeah, that's nice, and letting it go by. And you know what? If you keep on letting it go by, even what you do have will be taken from you and given to someone else. That's not me talking, that's the word. The one talent, what did he do? He buried it in the dirt and said, well, I know I don't want to be disappointed. I'm afraid I might fail. And so he buried it in the dirt and he waited for the master. He waited for Jesus to come back. And he says, well, I had this and I know you spoke to me about doing this, but I was afraid of failing. I was afraid of being disappointed. I was afraid of letting you and others down, so I buried it. I'm sorry, here's what you gave me back. And he's going to say, that's a criminal way to have lived. So what I have given you, is even going to be taken and given to somebody else. It's a pretty harsh word. It's not my word, it's his word. I shy off doing that. That's him. It's like even what you do have given to you, if we don't use it, if we don't use it, we'll lose it. Yeah? And so he says, stir up the gifts within you. So watch your overcrowded schedule because that's the devil. If you can't get your sinning, he'll get you busy. Hurry, flurry, scurry, demons. Well, be on you. Watch out for your overcrowded schedule. Say, God, what do you want me to do today? How would you have me spend my day? He knows that you've got to work, but he's got opportunities for you in the middle of that work. He's got creative ideas for you. He knows you've got to study, but he's got things for you to do in the middle of that study. Yeah? The second thing is don't mistake the urgent for the important. Watch out for the screaming, ah, ah, ah. Yeah? The urgent is always going to override the important Truly what we've been called to do if we allow it to. Don't mistake the urgent things for what is truly important in your life because the devil will use it. Don't compare yourself to others because if you do, you'll minimise what God has given you every time. Get your eyes off the person next to you unless you're there helping them along and get your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith and run your race. Don't compare, don't overschedule, don't mistake the urgent for the important. And the fourth thing is for these creative types. Now, sitting in this room, 
There is creative people. Listening online, there is creative people that you have gifts inside that you keep on squishing down. I'm not going to eyeball too many people. Yes, you know who you are. There was a man, he's actually, I don't know how to say his name, Basil, Basiel, I think. He's talked about in Exodus, Exodus 31. He was a man who was anointed as an artisan in the temple. He's actually talked about as the first person that was actually filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And he was filled with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and in the carvings of wood. And he would work all kinds of craftsmanship. He was the first person to be filled with the Holy Spirit for a distinct purpose and ability for creativity. He was anointed by God to do that, to cut stones, wood, and create beautiful things for the temple. And his artistry was spiritual. There's people that have artistic creativity, whether it's painting, whether it's writing a book, whether it's um, poetry, whether it's you know, just doing something creative, whether it's cooking, whether something creative, working with your hands and there is creativity resting in and upon your life and you are pushing it aside. You have been given, whether it's one talent, two talents, five talents of that ability, that, two, that one presence of that anointing in your life, whether it's a twofold, whether it's fivefold, and you're sitting on it and you're not doing anything with it and you know who you are. And you keep on squishing that down and burying and going, oh, well, I'm too busy for that. That's not going to make any money. That's not going to do anything. So I'm not going to do anything with it. I get to the end of the day and I'm tired and I just like, I don't have any creativity left. You know what that is? That's a big fat lie where the devil is trying to squish you down. There is a season and a time right now where the creatives, the artisans are being stirred up because they bring restoration to the kingdom. They bring heaven on earth. Of all people to fill with his spirit, why did God choose an artistic person? Because creativity brings beauty, and beauty is an on-ramp to heavenly things. Yeah? Beauty and, and creativity and letting that flow out of your spirit. My goodness, look around you. We serve a creative God. So why would he not want to stir that gift up within you? And we let the toil and the work and the stuff that pulls us down take that creativity and just squish it inside of us. And you know what? It lies dormant in us and it hurts. You know when you've got a book sitting on the inside of you that the words just want to get out. You know when there's a painting or a poetry or a story or something creative and beautiful on the inside of you that just wants to get out and you've been squishing it. And I tell you this morning, God says, stop it. God says stop it and stir up that gift within you because that is anointing on your life that God wants to release to bring beauty, to bring release to others. You go into a gallery in the London Art Gallery and, and, and you stand there in front of those paintings and they're an on-ramp to spiritual things. You know, it's like beauty is an on-ramp. People need to have beautiful things around them. And you know, it, it, it prospers our soul. And it restores our health and brings peace to our minds. So if you're one of those creative types listening, get off your butt and schedule in time to be creative because there is anointing on your life to do that. If you're somebody who even does nails, that is, a, that is a gift you've been given. Use it to bless someone else because it makes people feel good. If you're any way that you are creative, don't squish it down and go, oh, well, that's just that. 
Stir up the gift within you because there is anointing in this time and this season for creatives. There's books inside of people here and listening. There's works of art. There's woodwork. There's metalwork. There's things that God wants to release and restore because if we don't do it, the enemy is stealing our stuff. And you walk around town and some of the artwork is just downright evil. Why do you think it is out there? Because we, as God's children and his people, have not stepped up. So where are they going to find those people? They'll just go to wherever. The world will just go to who is putting their hand up. So isn't it about time we, as God's people, stood up and put our hand up? Why do you think the the great, amazing architecture and things of beauty that was made generations ago is there? It's because God's people put their hand up. And they were the best in their field, so of course they were going to be chosen. You know, you walk around Frio and you walk around the city and you see these murals and you go, oh, they're dark. Why are they dark? Because we're not standing up and putting our hand up and saying we can put things of beauty on those walls. We can put things that will will shoot people off into heavenly places just standing and looking at them. You know, when we go into the bookstore and we go to buy a book, why is there so many books that are dark and awful? It's because we're not writing them. Why, when we turn on the radio, do we hear all these sad songs? Come on now. Why do we hear all these sad songs? Because people haven't produced the songs. Yeah, I'm talking to you. (laughs) They haven't produced the songs that bring joy and love and laughter. You get that? Yeah? You you turn on the radio and it's like, my dog died, my girlfriend's left me. If you've been in America and Texas, it's a dog. I'm in my red truck and blah, blah, blah. It's funny songs. <laughs> over and over and over again. And if you've had... <laughs> they're not helpful. If you're hurting... <laughs> honest. If you're hurting and having a bad day or you're suffering from a broken heart, because there's lots of people out there that are, and you walk in into a clothing store or a cafe, and I guarantee you a song is going to come on that is not going to make you feel good. I'm broken hearted. I'm six blocks away and I drive past their house every day. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's actually a song. <laughs> Why is it on the radio? Because the creativity that is abiding and residing in God's people is not being stirred up and let out. And yes, I know it costs money, so why don't we help one another? Yes, it takes, hey, a bit of effort. So encourage each other, stir each other up, annoy the heck out of Shara till she produces the things. Get along Hannah and say, why aren't you painting? Yeah, go over here and see these two and say the same thing. Why why does Simon not have a hub in his house? You know, just (laughs) give each other a shout. You know, go and stir Keith up and say, where's your woodworking at? Yeah? Who's the cookies in the room? Just stir up. Stir up the gift within you. <laughs> yeah? There's creativity. There's, there's things that God wants you to do. There's businessmen in this room. There's business and look, listening where God wants us to get about doing business because when we step up, the world notices. When we step up, we bring that light. It's like my mum shared that word. We can't just sit up and sit at Jesus' feet all the time. He says, get about doing your business. Get about doing the Father's business. You know, Jesus would go up on the mountainside to pray. 
and to hear what the father had for him today. But then he came down off the mountain and he got about his father's business. There is no excuse. It's a criminal way to live if we do not make the most of our gifts and talents. Yeah? Use them. Use them because when we do that, life works. And we'll get to the end of running our race and go, that was awesome. Look what I did with Jesus. Yeah? Not, oh, well, I could have done that. I had a, we had a friend when we were in our 20s and he was like, he'd see somebody on the TV and they were playing footy and he'd go, I could have done that. Or he'd be walking along and uh, we'd, you know, some business and he goes, oh, I could have started a business like that. And we'd just look at each other and go, well, why don't you? Yeah? What a way to live. It's a criminal way to live to have been given so much and do so little. Stop it. Stop doing, living like that. And go to God and say, God, you're in charge of my calendar. You're in charge of my life. You have put all these abilities and, and, and ability to run fast, to ability to kick a ball, ability to you know, produce things, ability to be able to run a business, ability with my hands. What have I got in my hands? And use it to the best of your ability. And don't compare yourself. It doesn't matter if you're not going to be famous. It matters that you used what you had because God expects you to use it. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for how good you are. I thank you for what you've placed in our life. I remember this song, uh, this quote, Lord, it says, you can't reach new horizons standing on the shore. The risk of going nowhere is the greatest risk of all. And so, Father, I pray that we would take the steps, that you would stir up the gift within us, Lord, and that you'd help us to be in that place every day where we stir up the gift, that we are single-focused on going about the business of what you have placed in our life and making the most of the investment you have entrusted us with. Lord, you trust us with these talents. You trust us with these gifts that you've placed in our life. And so, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness where we have buried them. We ask your forgiveness where we have listened to the lies of the enemy and the world saying we're not good enough or everybody else is better. We ask for your forgiveness right now. We just lift those... We ask you to lift those things right up, those lies and that weight and that... Just heaviness on our lives. I just break that off in the name of Jesus, that we would run and that we wouldn't just run, but that we would be lifted up onto the heights and we would soar. That people would look at our lives and be amazed and say, look what the Lord has done in their lives. And that because of that, many would come to know you. Lord, I, I speak releasing of new songs. Lord, I pray releasing of new books and artworks and businesses and, and people who are amazing at sport, Lord that you would increase their talent and ability and anointing on their life. Lord, for those that are, uh, that, um, are good at whatever they do, the gifts and talents that you've put in their life, Lord, I pray that you would stir them up. If they're listening online, Lord, that you'd stir them up. Stir them up, Lord, and that we would run our race and soar, Lord, for you, that we would mount up on wings like eagles and we'd run and not grow faint and weary. Let this, let this word reside deep on the inside of us, Lord, I pray. It would not be stolen. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, Amen. Amen.